Welcome back, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're talking with Trish Nicklin and Fuliana is going to introduce her. For the last 25 years, Trish has been working in corporate organisation, contributing to business success, to each organisation business success, through transformation and change and general leadership, which we'll hear a lot more about shortly. This was mainly in the finance industry, and Trish worked in Australian Stock Exchange, BMP Barabas Security Services, RBC Dexia Investor Services, JP Morgan Chase, Ordmanet, and Bankers Trust Company. At the moment, Trish has just got her new company, and it's called Critical Q. She is the owner and founder of that company, and I'm very excited about it, so we're dying to hear more about that. Trish is also a board member with the Australian Transformation and Turnaround Association and a president and a chair of the Dragon Board New South Wales. Again, on top of all the things that Trish is doing, as well as studying, which we'll hear about, she's also involved in a very exciting sport as well. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a long list when you listen to it. It's I impressive, sound, isn't it? I sound old. I sound old. No, you just said, sound accomplished. Yes. Yes, I should say it's sort of deeply enriched. Yeah, experience. Sort of embedded I mean, we, inside. We, we won't society. go on the chronological measure because that's not. No. And, it, and it's interesting actually that you bring that up so early because really it's not a measure. Yeah. Um, no. it, I think that there are ends of the scale where when you're first coming into the workforce you feel that it's a measure and you don't want it to be because you're out to change the world and you're going to fix everything. And I think towards we, we do as a society have a tendency towards the end of the chronological scale to discount information that might be coming that way. We'll, we'll say, yes, we should learn from people's experiences and, and they're full of knowledge and all the rest of it, but really... Life is different today. They, we have to do it differently and it's not yeah. the same as when it was for them and so we, we don't hear the messages as clearly as we should. So an interesting topics to start with. I think for me too is I'm looking at younger people coming through, we say coming through the ranks, which is such a bias anyway, it's a structural mm-hmm. bias, which is exactly yeah. the type of thing I'm trying to, it's a paradigm I'm trying to fight. This concept of you have to have this sequence of experience is now being really challenged and for those of us that are in those generation x and baby boomers we're struggling with that because that was what we were we were raised in the you know corporate mindset to you you walk up the ladder and it's it's, it's notches on the bedpost equivalent in a cv really absolutely we we, we're public sector trained and you knew in the 70s and 80s that you'd look around the room and you'd say, oh, that person will go up next because they've been here longer than yeah. me. And sometimes it yeah. was only a week's difference, but yeah. you knew that the pecking order was such that didn't matter what the promotion was or how well you knew the job, it was their turn. Yeah, mm. and now that's all being turned on its head yes. and people are saying, I'd rather someone with a better idea mm. yes. or a new idea. Mm. Although I caveat that by saying there's still plenty out there that, are struggling with that. I was thinking about this this morning, about this, how many innovators are out there in these organisations that are struggling to be heard because the right to innovate is still under title. Mm. We talked with one of our previous guests about being an entrepreneur in an organisation and how you go about that and how you can accomplish that. It's it's interesting that you're seeing that as well. Very much so. And, and, And it's... 
it's easier, but it's also harder because mm. it's still a class effect. Yes. And and some people, if you're pinpointed and you're permissioned to go there, then you can. But it's all the other people that aren't mm. permissioned. Yes. And so it's how do organisations change their entire thinking mm. to permissioning people. And one of the things that I'm looking at doing or that, that my business does, one of the programs I run, is about how to run a freelance economy within an organisation. And I think that's a really exciting prospect to take that model out that is outside yes. but actually put it within a boundary so it's relatively safe, you know, from, mm -hmm. a, from yeah. a shareholder point of view if that's where we're, we're objecting. But, yeah, I guess for, for me, um, I should add that I'm no longer president of Dragon Boats New South okay. Wales. I came off that board last year um, and then went on to the Australian yeah. Transformation and Turnaround. Yeah. So they're, they're, I'm not quite as doubling up, but <laughs> it was, um, that was a really exciting phase of my life. That's mm -hmm. where I did most of my transformation mm -hmm. work, comparative to what I had done in my professional career. Mm -hmm. And the sole difference, I was putting a bit of thought into this last night as well, the sole difference was that I had that permission. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, nobody said no. And there was a lot of support from a board behind mm -hmm. me. And that brings me to that next topic, which is a support and sponsorship, mm -hmm. which is really important for people because you can't progress in an organisation unless somebody is leveraging you forward, upward, forward, around, or going into back for you. That is really important. And I, that needs to change because there are some wonderful people out there with magnificent ideas that just may not be sponsored. And so do you see that as a responsibility of the individual or the organisation? Oh, that's a really good question. I see it as both. But I think if you're an individual with great ideas and you just don't have the resources or the sponsorship to, to point them forward, then you can become disheartened and demotivated so easily. Likewise, the other example that I've seen a lot is your ideas get lifted and adopted and taken on by somebody else. And that's, again, very demotivating. Without recognition. And Without, to the fact or that even if there yeah. is a bit of recognition, yeah, it's a tap on the shoulders. Yeah. You know, Charlie came up with this amazing idea and we're going to take it forward. But when the promotion and the bonus is handed right. out or when the person that gets up there and presents it mm -hmm. across the organisation is not Charlie, that's to me, where an organisation really has some, mm -hmm. some shoes to fill and that's where my mm -hmm. favourite topic of leadership comes in because we've got a lot of leadership training happening out there but we're not solving these very real problems mm -hmm. and we're not acknowledging them as much as we should be. There's a mm -hmm. lot of ticking around the edges and grasping yeah. of little bits and pieces and we're doing employee mm -hmm. engagement surveys and we're asking but there's still this measure of control. So if we, we look at leadership in and of itself, when should training for leadership start? That's a great question. Probably in the womb, I would say, <laughs> if, if it's not too early. No, I, I, I genuinely think yeah. that, that yeah. we leave it too late. Yes, yeah, we absolutely do. And we train, again, we do it in schools, in primary mm -hmm. school is when you start to think about leadership. And we have a structure 
and there are still prefects and monitors and their set principled roles that sometimes there's a democratic vote, sometimes there's not, you're appointed or you're given the option by a higher authority. And I think that that sets that precedent for you have to be in a certain mould. And so yep. then we start this process. Of and it cuts out other people who, are, so, who don't yeah. get selected and in that process. Exclusion is the cancer. Yep. Mm. to innovation, yep. I believe. And I think that we do exclusion very well. We teach mm. it very, very mm. well. In a sense, we focus on exclusion. Oh, and yeah. whatever else comes through is just lucky. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the ones Podium who will finished. push them. See, we're not, we're not encouraging the idea of saying you lead from any chair, from any position, yeah. at any age, in any circumstance, and that's up to you. We're saying almost like in, in your description of, say, the school, you're saying you're not in that position, so that's nothing to do with you. And yeah, that's the exclusion. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're not, not allowed, allowed to hand out yes. hall passes. You're not allowed to yeah. do things. And some schools are working around it. That's not to say that they're not. They might mm. they might cycle so that mm. you might do mm. it for a term and then it's somebody else's role. Yeah. But there's also labour and resource in this teaching, which is where I find this new way of working around these sort of what, uh, if you look at Zappos and Tony Shea, yeah. his example of holacracy, which is about these, everything is a project and you bid for your place on the project mm. and in one project you're leading it and in yes. another project you're making the coffee. Yes. yes. And you're working on a number of them at any time. And it's, so it's one of those, yes. you know, agile's become a big word, that's one of the methods, mm -hmm. but it's this idea of these circles going around mm. and I think that that is answering that question because it's playing to strengths yes definitely. And something that I read the other day and I was talking about to some people earlier this week which I thought was really profound and we should be teaching this actually to everybody and not only in schools but in corporate life as well and in any working sector but we excel in life by maximizing our strengths not by fixing our weaknesses and this term, fix your weakness, really struck a chord with me because if I look at the entire time I've spent in different work, and in including volunteer work and not-for-profits, somebody gives you an assessment at some point, performance reporting, performance measurement, and there's always this pointing out of a weakness. A weakness. You can call it, you can wrap it up in pleasant terms like let's look at what we can improve. Challenges. We have these yeah. challenges. challenges. That's lovely word. Let's look at your, your, you know, your opportunities. Mm. And what they fail, this whole process completely fails to do is it, it becomes a judgment as opposed mm -hmm. to an acknowledgement. So first of all, the conversation should be, is it what is a weakness? Let's call it what it is, right? Yes. It's a weakness and we, we don't like it and we want you to change. We think you're not presenting well enough mm -hmm. and your role is in sales and you need to present well enough. So there needs to be a conversation around, well, who's setting that standard? What does it look like? Where am I not meeting it? What is the measure? Is there also opportunity then? Because my feeling is that Weaknesses are identified by someone else. You, you yes. Certainly you identify weaknesses yes. yourself. Yeah. But when you identify weaknesses yourself, you discard them unless you really think that it's something that you need to do. 
And they're sort of driven to change it. But you're driven to change it for a reason. Yeah. So, that, so there's some other motive apart from an external judge. So my feeling is that you discard the weaknesses and that you play to your strengths yeah. because your strengths are what you're good at. Often it's yeah. what you enjoy. And so in that situation where someone says to me, look, we think you know, you're weak in this area, I'll say, I'm strong in all these areas. You find me things to do that are strong in all these areas or we, we don't have an arrangement because I want to work to my strengths because that's what I'm good at and that's where I think I can give the contribution. The weaknesses are your assessment and if that's what you need, then you need someone else. You don't need me. And that's why we're not... So this is what I find is exactly what you just discussed is where we're seeing younger people are doing that. And they're saying, well, if that's what you want, I can't yeah. meet that. Whereas yeah. I know for me, I would sit there and take it or be horrified and feel shame and then try and adjust it. So you're, you're taking on the story. And I, took, you know, for, I, I remember being told, um, not a few, few jobs ago, but for a long time, I was told I rattled on too long, talked too much. And I can't tell you how much effort I put into trying to change that. And I probably learnt a lot and I mm. developed, I slowed down my speech, I sped up my speech, I changed my <laughs> speech, I tried it in different languages, <laughs> I wrote it down, I tossed it out, I dictated it, mm -hmm. I did everything I could. And in the end, I tore myself up in knots and at some point I just thought, this is how I am. And I don't have, I'm, I'm getting good success. I've got great yeah. relationships with all these people I'm dealing with. What concerns me about society generally mm. <laughs> at the moment, and it, it links into leadership, it's about responsibility. Yeah. So where do we, in terms of leadership and the leadership models that we, we have at the moment, where do we start sharing the idea of responsibility, individual and organisational responsibility? And I think a lot of that comes down to making leadership simple. Mm. Mm. Because like many things, leadership, it's just, it's just a term, that it's a buzzword. And at the moment, there's so many theories on it that we've made it quite complicated so that people have twisted it inside and out, turned it upside down so that they can make careers out of mm. teaching it and that's not to say that it's not valued to look at it and I got a great deal of value myself when I started to study leadership and I looked at the history of leadership theory and I could go from great man theory right through to current post-structural post-heroic theory and see what had evolved but what I found in that process was the horror that where I was in my career we were still teaching stuff that was 30 years old. And teaching and, it as dogma. And teaching yeah. it as dogma. And yep. recently said in an article that we tend to take these Cotter models, you know, we've known poor, poor old John Cotter, I give him quite a bit of grief, I know he's reviewing his models now, but we take all these standard models and we just pull them out of the textbook and like a jumper over a screaming child that's no longer fits yes. it but grandma's coming and we need to show that we're wearing it, mm. we shove these models over the... Mm. employees and we say mm. this will do and so there's all these people just caught in the, in the crosshairs so it's, it, it is an individual thing mm. 
And so to try and answer your question, I know I'm rambling, as I say I do. <laughs> I think we will get somewhere when we stop trying to put Band-Aid solutions mm -hmm. onto it. Yep. Give, give us a flavour of what you think we should be doing in that space instead of just going old models. Because I tend to agree with you as far as, for example, we're talking about people's strengths and weaknesses. And we do have some methodology for like performance reviews. You can talk about your weaknesses and strengths, and your manager can as well, and then you work to solution. The opposite side of what you were saying earlier is some people make their weaknesses much bigger than what they really are because yeah. they're humble. And to me, I've seen that where you say, no, actually, here's examples of you are really good at this. And then so it's a responsibility of both parties. But tell us about leadership, the, the right model for now, compared to what we've been using as historic or outdated maybe. Yeah, so I think what we tend to do is uh, is we tend to go back into what we call adaptive or adaptive is a new term for situational mm -hmm. leadership on one side. Mm -hmm. So the you know the manager will say I'm a situational leader. So mm -hmm. therefore if you well, are it's a bit like being a method actor. I know if you are <laughs> if you are a quiet person I will work with you. If you are an introvert I will understand that you know right. if you are an extrovert and you want to go and do lots yeah. of presentations i'll work with you to make that happen mm -hmm. i will duck and right. weave and then together we will work we will do the same with the organization and the yeah. challenges facing the organization we'll do all that which is really hard thing to do i think mm. and almost near impossible so we have that happening on one side and then what we ask is that the the employee does mm. the same thing mm -hmm. so if i'm going high i need you to yeah. come high with me and if i'm going low i need mm -hmm. you to come low with me but the problem is that's mm -hmm. impossible to do mm -hmm. across so many individuals mm -hmm. and it's impossible then to meet the requirement it, as it flows up it's just not scalable. Yeah. and so what happens is it gets lost so we walk out of the conversation mm -hmm. and then what happens is the manager then goes off has a cup of coffee and then goes into the next one and so where are you, you know, you're sort of in the back of the brain and it takes a, a, a certain type of person to be able to love their employees at that very individual level as well as yeah. loving the organisation as well. That's where what we've been doing and how, mm -hmm. how we can change that is by, I think, breaking down a lot of these structures within organisations mm. that then require all mm. of that. Mm -hmm. that because it's that, of that management and that leadership at every level. Yeah. It's like running through hurdles of jelly that just gets mm. thicker and thicker and thicker yeah. as you go until you're not running anymore. You're just mm. sort of trying to punch a, a hole yeah. through a concrete wall. So if we look at this startup community, they're just throwing all of that stuff out the window everything out the window and they're still thriving and when they don't thrive mm. they don't care no yeah. they just thing. move on yeah. to the next thing and it's such a wonderful thing and i think well, that's where yes, that exactly. future piece comes yeah. in just i think you've you've got to almost set, put a match to it mm -hmm. and then come back and, and start again yeah. and there's this concept around leader leaderless leadership and the best example I've got of that is the hashtag. It just is one person with an idea or two people with an idea, mm -hmm. they start it, hashtag leadership, yeah. and suddenly grows into a thing. Everyone's on board, it's trending, and it fizzles and dies, and mm -hmm. it may grow as something else, but it becomes a living, breathing, moving forward, noisy, 
and, and there's contribution. And there's contribution yeah. from everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Right. And there's no there's no path that you have to follow to contribute. Yeah. You don't have to get approval all the way along the way. No. You can just yeah. throw in your idea or yeah. your opinion or your spin on, on whatever it is and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. And so there's there's that much more engagement and that much more opportunity to move an organisation forward or to gather ideas or to find a solution that's right. than there would be in the traditional role. And oh, that's why right. you look at things like, that's exactly what Twitter and Facebook are doing, mm. is you don't have to have a title to, to be published. Yes. Mm. And you can have a say. Mm. And that's what WordPress is doing in the publishing yeah. industry. Some bad fictions have come out. Because in the past you would write it, but you'd have to submit it to a newspaper yeah. editor. And it may or may not make it. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. someone would make a yeah. judgment over it. Yes. And there's all, as we said, there's good and bad in it, but the, the beauty of it is that it's really evened up the field. It's interesting too that we hear a lot of talk about social media particularly being the death of interaction. And yet I think that it's not. I think that it engages more people. And I don't think it disengages them from face-to-face -face communication either because there's not that many more things to talk about. Did you see? Have you seen? Have you heard? Look at fandom. Let me show you this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a fandom and, and I found, you know, like friends in there. What's a fandom? A so fandom my, is if you, like, if you are a big fan, say, of... A certain actor or actress or the Game of Thrones or oh, okay. a particular yeah, TV okay. show, yes. you can start looking at hashtags around mm -hmm. that and find people mm -hmm. who have the same interests and, right. and engage with them. And I've ended up with some wonderful friends mm -hmm. all around the world. Many times I've flown across Australia mm -hmm. or had people fly into Sydney and we've caught up. Yeah. We've gone to yeah. film festivals together. Yeah. We've gone shopping together, had catch-ups. Mm -hmm. I know girls that, you know, go and congregate and guys that all go and meet at the big comic cons. Mm. So you've got an interest in common and that could be entertainment but it could be business ideas, it could be anything. It could be anything. Right. And, and yeah. you know, Facebook groups are great for that. I'm mm -hmm. the one for um, people who are starting up new businesses at the moment, mm -hmm. which is hosted by Naomi Simpson from Shark Tank. And she said, I'm going to set this up so you all can start talking. Mm -hmm. and so this is a, a forum for anyone who's starting their business yeah. and it's an interaction of experience and all of that? It's anything Excellent. It's anything that you want. It's mm -hmm. the old, you use yeah. the right term, forums in, in mm -hmm. the beginning I right. remember 15 years ago you would have forums yes. on websites where yeah. people could put it. And now we just have threads and, and, and Facebook pages and groups and yeah. things. But it is, and again, it's so much easier to get access. Yeah. And, and access to a broader range of people, yes. a broader range yeah. of experience. Yeah. It's very humbling, I think, when you realise that you have a lot of things in common with people who are completely have completely different lives to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm and that you can enrich in each other's lives. I mean, there's also the very dark side of all of that, where there are a lot of people who take advantage of that situation. But that's no different to society outside Anyone. of electronics. Absolutely. <laughs> and there are many that just people, makes it said, bigger and faster, yeah, that technology. It's bigger and it's faster, and sometimes yeah. it's nasty. It's, it's more obvious. It's it. just more obvious. And yeah. is that not a good thing, that yeah. we are starting to be more careful? 
about our, our safety personally, yeah. about our standards yeah. across society generally. So I, I can't see that in any sense there's any detriment to anything. We're teaching mm. the same lessons, mm. same lessons about mm. dips and stains will break it. Break your bones, mm, yeah, you know, yeah. That's exactly the same, yeah. but it's just that the playground has moved. Yeah, yeah. it's a different venue. Yeah, and yeah. I think that there's opportunities now in terms of leadership. And so what I'm looking at is if mm-hmm. we then take this back to that prism of, of work, yeah. is all of this is going on in life, yeah. and life has moved. Mm-hmm. It's shifted onto this, this entire new dynamic. But we're still running businesses and organisations with these old-style mindsets, and sort of bogged down. Mm-hmm. And regulation has has a part to play in that, but it, it can't be not, an excuse. But it's not just businesses, because if you look at families, yeah. they're oh, run the same yeah. way. And there's still that old patriarchal matriarch. Mm-hmm. Still, I'm in my mid forties. My my parents still try and tell me what I can and can't do. You know, <laughs> I, that, I, my, my eldest son is. <laughs> It will, and we'll get the years. He's thirty six, yeah. <laughs> and still, when he gets to a point where it's the but why, but why, but why, and I'll just I gave him a card when he was about ten. It said ten and the ten reasons that your mother will give you for doing things, and number ten is just because. And I only have to say to him now, number ten, boy, just remember number ten. <laughs> well, it's the same. I mean, I may say my parents still try and tell me what to do, but likewise, I still go to them. That's the first or second yeah. call I yeah. make when I need help or advice or mm-hmm. guidance. Yes. And that was instilled. Mm-hmm. So that was my next question is, is your management style something that you develop? Well, we talked about the school years and, and how you might get selected to be a, a leader in that time. But your management style or what you think your management style is going to be if you're coming into the workforce now, is that something that is a reflection of mentors, for want of a better yeah. word? you copy um, it. Yeah. copy it until you know otherwise. Yeah. You copy what you've seen. The first real example we have of that is that family run around the dining room table, the parents at each end. See, that was, when we were growing up, there were sitcoms and that was always the way it was done. And then you go to school and you're sitting there yeah. and there is somebody standing in front yeah. instructing you. And that's how we're raised. Mm. So we can then go into organisations where the you know the teacher's desk is replaced by a corner office mm-hmm. or a better seat mm-hmm. and what we're seeing now is less of that we're seeing more rounder tables well people don't sit at a dining table at home anymore no, no. very rarely no yeah, and and it's becoming it's it's really starting to change the dynamic and yet in schools we're still instructing mm-hmm. although classrooms yeah. have changed my daughter's in year five and there's only two desks mm. in the room, but they're bean bags and there's high tables and low tables and the kids yes. just choose where they sit, which is starting to teach yes. this different style. Mm. Yeah. No longer a desk, teacher's desk yes. are either at the back of the room if they've got one at all. That is going to create much, I think, of a, a more inclusive future and why we're seeing this changing at work. But, but it also creates an issue in the workplace of change because you've got a generation coming through who want to manage in this more organic way, working for, at this point in time, a generation who were schooled a different way. Well, they're not working for them as far as I can see. 
So I'm looking at a lot of organisations that are struggling to have young people come in. Okay. They come in, yeah. they might come in for a while, but they're not yeah. sticking around. Yeah. There's that, that somebody bemoaned that there's no loyalty. Mm. And it's like they just don't see the value. It's not that there's no loyalty if you create it. It's not about loyalty. It's about the environment where you can thrive yeah. and be innovative. And I yeah. think it's that. And be supported. And, and have everyone doing their best within their natural yeah. abilities as well as learn. We've actually gone a little bit longer than we normally would, so we might stop and take a break here. For now, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Pugliana Osborne, and we're talking with Trish Nicklin, and this is Inside Exec.